When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Nick Ariano. Nick is the managing partner of Your Legacy Partners, a boutique M&A advisor that has been providing business valuations, pre-sale consulting, and M&A advisory services for more than two decades. Financial Service Review listed it as one of the top middle market M&A consulting firms of 2022. Thanks so much for joining me today, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me, Diane. Excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. Um, And and I'm going to dive right in. I I am so curious to get your thoughts on uh, something I've thought about in in the past, and that is... um, what are some of the misconceptions that business owners have about selling their business, do you think? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I've seen over the years and part of why I'm passionate about this and why we have, if you go to our website, ulegacypartners.com, we talk about three phases. And phase two is really the going to market. And mm-hmm. phase one is all about preparation. So the biggest misconception, I feel like owners are so focused on building this great business they feel like that sale of the business might be like selling a house or a car where we use it or run it or whatever until someday we want to sell it. And then we think we're going to list it, get full value, and we're done. And in selling a business, that is very, very far from the truth. And so we focus, uh, there's a lot of uh, pieces. We put a lot of focus on the phase one part to really get prepared. That's where a lot of the value comes from. So we got a, a couple of different stories we can dive into and, and how we think about getting value out in multiple stages. Um, but it's really, you know, realizing that it's not just going to be a sale one time really quick, get all your money and we're done. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's great. And I, and I get it because I, People, it seems to me that business owners don't want to think about selling until that time comes right. where they feel like they're ready, right? Right, absolutely. And we, we think about, you know, we think about, okay, how do you get the most value out of your business at the point of sale, right? Yeah. And we kind of think of it almost really in four stages. So one, well, before I even go there, I'll say that almost no owners get the full sale of their companies upon exit. And many, too many, never receive the full deal value, especially if the business is going to struggle post-sale. post, post sale. So I think 
when we talk about getting value out, really four spots. Number one, yes, the highest purchase price um, is the thing that people think about and focus on the most. Right. Uh, secondly, I'd say another very important part is not only the price you sell for, but how much you actually receive. And that comes down to deal structure we can touch on in a second. Thirdly, I would say um, that not only what you receive, uh, but how much you actually keep because of taxes. And there's planning strategies you can put in place there. And then fourthly, not only how much you get to keep from taxes, but how have you set up your overall life planning strategies, incorporating financial life, personal life, so you actually get to enjoy what you spent all these years working hard to get. And so we break it down in those kind of four areas and there's things at each stage uh, and some examples for each uh, that I think are really important and we can certainly hit on here in a second. Yeah, uh, terrific. This is so interesting. Okay, so talk to, I, I'm fascinated by all this. Talk to me about deal structure first. Yeah. yeah. Really important. So deal structure. And what we mean is, if there was no risk in your business, uh, I would just pay you 100% of the cash up front unless I wanted to kind of spread out my payments over time. But basically, the, the deal structure is about risks that are present in the business. And therefore, example, I could offer you $50 million for your business, purchase price 50 million. But the structure is that I only pay you 20 million now, and 30 million at some point in the future. And that could be you know, a long time off where you have to wait for that money. It could be how you get that 30 million could be based on some unreasonable expectations or assumptions. Uh, waiting on that 30 million could be, could give the buyer some easy ways out based on how they structure that contract. Mm. Uh, or the business could not do that well and they may not have the money to pay you. So that's kind of risk to the seller. So two you know, somewhat quick examples on that. We worked mm. with, we rarely work on the buy side, but we had a, a good friend who ran a great business and we helped them uh, go acquire a company or look to acquire a company. Uh, so the sellers in this case, this was recent, two owners, 68 and 71, they had built a really good business um, over you know 20 plus years. And they had now found a broker, listed the business and wanted to be out in six months. It was a good business, very similar operations and a great reputation. My clients would have paid over market value because we were a strategic buyer. We could have realized a number of synergies from the business. But as we dug in, there were a number of glaring issues that they clearly didn't take any time preparing for. Couple of the bigger ones. There was some major customer concentration. How they had operations set up was not conducive to a buyer coming in and taking over without the sellers there. How they ran their processes, very owner dependent. The people were not put in the correct place to execute after the owners left, regardless of the buyer. So kind of in summary, hmm. it resulted in us not able to pay, and any of them, they had a full process and they didn't get a lot of uh, offers that they wanted. We would give them a good offer, but ours had structure, talking about the structure point. We had a hard time getting the 50% up front. For example, 10% of their clients, their top clients, there was over 90% of the revenue from those clients. Wow. Further, if, so the owners were the only people, so the owners brought those clients in, they were the salespeople, and this was over a $20 million revenue company. 
The mm-hmm. owners brought in those customers, just the tops. The owners were the only two people to talk with and deal with. They were the relationship managers on that for those clients. And so if those owners left, there was a huge risk that those customers and that revenue wouldn't stay. And so as we said, look, we'll pay you this high price, right? But we can only give you 50% up front because if 90% of revenue leaves, that's a huge risk. And they actually realized, oh my gosh, you're right. We're not even comfortable with that because we're not sure that they'll stay, right? And so long story short is we had to walk away because that wasn't, there was too much risk in the deal. And what they did is they ended up accepting a lower offer from a private equity firm who also did not pay all the money up front and required the owners to work five more years, which was at the bottom wow. of their desire list. Uh, so the owners were not very happy. Uh, and really it comes down to the lack of planning prior to going to market. Wow. Uh, and a lot of things that you talk about in your show and we talk about in Canadian too, but that resulted in having to have a lot of structure in the deal, a lot of not all the money up front and contingents on certain things because there was a lot of risks in the business. That's and in a second, crazy. I can contrast that with a different one, but all positive. For yeah, no, no, I, I, I would love that. I mean, that is a great example. So please do contrast that with another example. Mm-hmm. So we did uh, recently just have kind of the opposite. We were working on the sell side, which is 99% of our work. Um, this one happened to be a physician's practice. And it applies to you know this situation. We've had many clients applies to a lot of industries and situations. But um, this one, physician's practice, East Coast, great reputation, patients from around the world and around the country, uh, steadily growing revenue and profits. But she came to us early enough, it was a year or so before, uh, and saying, hey, we're going to go to market. And one of the things we do is, and you can see this on our website, yourlegacypartners.com backslash score, we have this business attractiveness scorecard. And it highlights some areas of your business that buyers are going to see value or see lack of value. And so you can go on there and fill it out yourself and and see where uh, buyers might see value. And so we started with that for her and we said, okay, you have a great business. You've done a really good job. You have a great reputation, but similarly to the previous example, you are very ingrained in this business, the operations, the seeing patients, the branding, all these different things. And if someone were to come in and buy this business now, we would have to accept a lot of structure in that deal, right? We would have to take a certain amount of cash up front, much less than hundred percent. And we would have to wait over time to make sure the business could actually generate profits in the future without that head person there. So as we took some time and kind of walked through our our different, you know, 90 day workshops and we looked at her personal situation and financial situation, um, but we assessed that, okay, there are, um, there is a great successor doctor physician, younger, very talented that could see the majority of the patients that she's currently seeing. So that filled the actual operational gap there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was some supporting nurses that were really good and could play a larger role in the overall process if a different buyer came in. And there was a person who had some operations management type responsibilities that we could kind of promote to an operations manager. And so with those things, we've now taken care of the whole operational oversight management, not all of it, but a lot of it. Uh, as well as the actual day-to-day operations and the systems and the processes. So 
after we took a few months to get those things in place, now we have buyers that are seeing, okay, we have multiple options, right? We can sell to another private practice. We could sell to a hospital. We could sell to private equity. We could sell to a lot of different options because this business can function on its own. Uh, and so it's a, it's a well-oiled machine. It took, you know, eight to 10 months to put those things in place, but it made a drastic difference. Um, and whereas the previous example clients, you know, they got, let's say 50% up front, they were not confident they would ever get the remaining 50%. Wow. In this situation, we were very comfortable saying, hey, you know what? I'll push the purchase price a little bit higher and I'll actually wait a year or two for some of that money. So it allowed us to push the price up because we were very confident that these things we put in place would continue to drive operations and profitability of the company. Right. Yeah, boy, th th those, <laughs> those are great examples. And it's, um, so I'd like you to, cause I heard a lot of the things that make a business attractive, but I, but I would love it if you would enumerate those, you know, from the buyer's perspective, what is the buyer looking for in a business that they're really going to want to purchase? Yeah. And, you know, we do a lot of valuations as well, obviously, as part of it. And I think a lot of people come to market and they, they've heard something in the industry. Everybody uses multiples and multiple, like a revenue multiple, an EBITDA yeah. multiple, a profit multiple. And they're very convenient, which is why a lot of people use them. Um, but really, it's just the result of a bunch of transactions. Each business, as we talk about valuation, uh, comes down to three things, growth, risk, and profits. And so when we talk about what is a buyer looking for, they're looking for certainty of cash flows. So certainly the amount, wow. but the certainty of cash flows, right? A function of you know revenue or top line sales and bottom line profits. How confident are we that those are going to continue into the future? That's what drives a lot of that value. And it's it's from how you structure your business, right? Uh, in the examples we used, is it very owner dependent? If it is, right. then our certainty of those cash flows in years one, two, five are not as certain. And that leads to risk, which lowers the value, right? Um, right. How you've structured your staff or hiring, how you positioned your company, how much marketing and branding, brand awareness you have in your business, what your management structure looks like. All of those things, a lot of what you've talked about on your show, on the podcast, are very important and lead to that. But it all comes down to, okay, what is the certainty of these cash flows based on how you've structured your business? Okay, that makes a ton of sense. I, I appreciate that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. Are there certain types of companies that buyers are interested in right now, or is it wide open? You know, it's it's interesting because there's a lot of buyers right now in the market still. We've had long market of bull market and low interest rates and a lot of people with cash and a lot of businesses and buyers interested. So it's still very, very strong. Hmm. What types of businesses? I think it still falls back to what are the characteristics of that business? Okay. So you could have a, a blue collar business, a white collar business, a service business, a manufacturing business. But it comes down to the characteristics of that business and the certainty of the cash flows, the risk, and the growth. For example, you could have a manufacturing company uh, and just comparing two, one that just does, you know, a couple project-based, means one-time projects for different customers. We do this for customer A, we may never see them again. We do this for customer B, we may never see them again versus a company that has ongoing contracts, does repeat business, um, and you can pretty much count on that these customers will do a certain amount of revenue year over year because that comes back to certainty of cash flows. Um, Whether your revenue is, so we see a lot in the software space, which we do a lot, right? Those have very sticky recurring revenue, right? Like your cell phone, for example, or the softwares that you use, you have a lot turned into SaaS, um, software as a service, meaning you don't pay a couple thousand dollars up front to buy the software anymore. You probably don't pay anything, but you pay 20, 40, 100, $500 a month for that ongoing service. Meaning if you didn't ever do anything as a customer or even as the business, if you didn't generate another dollar in sales, the next at new sales, the next year, you already know what your revenue is going to be for the next year, because those customers are just going to continue. Obviously there's little attrition, but, and right. so it's those characteristics that you can put in a business as far as consistency of, or certainty of cash flows, um, you know, contracts, how can you make it recurring revenue, how you can solidify those customers Um, is one big part, but it's also the trait of how can we be certain that these cash flows continue? And that's a lot of the structure and stuff that you put in place. Again, the scorecard on the website will allude you to show you some of those categories and help you understand where you score. But whether that is, do we have a second layer of management, right? If Mr. or Mrs. Owner is gone for three weeks, which is always a great test, or even three months, does the business function or not? Yeah. And that's maybe a part of, have you put the right people in the right places and given them the right amount of responsibilities so they can handle that oversight? Um, And for a lot of owners, sometimes that's counterintuitive because, hey, this is, you know, something I built and I'm important and I want to, you know, I deal with this in my own business, right? Is if I do it, I know it's going to be, you know, to the quality that I want, worded how I want, you know, the customers are going to feel what I'm giving them, right? And it's hard for an order to say, great, I need to remove myself a little bit and yeah. let somebody, you know, let the rest of these staff 
have an impact on these customers. But what I think they need to realize is if you're not there for whatever reason, um, including sale, is the business going to be able to function? Right. And is it going to be able to function at the same level with the same certainty of cash flows as when you're there? Uh, and if not, that's where a lot of that value comes from. And that is, again, just the, the main biggest mistake. And I think what motivates us every day and is part of our mission that we're seeing this. And, you know, we talk about the planning. It's not just the business. We talk about the three legs of the stool. Um, and it's preparing the business, which is a huge part but it's also preparing the financial part of your life, right? The financial planning aspects and the strategies you can use there and also the personal parts of your life. Again, we can get into those in a second too, but um, it, it's that the, the preparation of the business, which drives the type of, you know, it's not necessarily a certain industry, it's the characteristics of the business that what buyers are seeing as attractive. Okay, I, I appreciate that. And I would like it if, if you would, talk about the three legs of the stool, because I feel like some business owners, you know, just make a decision, okay, I'm going to sell. And then they go through the whole process and they do, and then they have like seller's remorse kind of thing. So yeah, a couple of big, yeah. Talk some about that. Yeah. A couple of big things. So when we go back to, you know, even the title of the podcast here, how do we get the most value out of your business? And one, we talked about highest purchase price, and that's things you're doing within your business, uh, how much you actually receive being part of deal structure, um, how much you actually keep from taxes. Now, this is starting to get into that second leg of the stool and the financial strategies and the financial planning you do, which the vast majority of it is much more beneficial if you do it before you sell the business. There's not a lot of things you can do at the time of sale. Um, and then the fourth is how much value actually get to enjoy. And that's, again, part of the planning piece. So we'll talk about the personal here in a second. Um, but the financial is very, very big. And I think a lot of owners, so I spent the first you know, 12 years of my career, certified financial planner, worked at Morgan Stanley. And, and so we did a lot of the financial strategies. Um, but a couple years into doing that work, uh, we started in a niche that we were working with small to mid-sized business owners who were selling. I feel like growing up in Minnesota, I was surrounded by these, you know, blue collar baby boomers that, you know, maybe they didn't have a super advanced, you know, MBA degree or something like that, but they knew their industry really well. They knew their business really well, and they were really hard workers. Uh, and they valued um, how, you know, the opportunity to enhance value in their business. And most owners like that don't have you know, a large retirement plan, investment account, something like that. It's all in their mm -hmm. business. So most of these don't engage in the financial planning part of things. And there's a lot of uh, both planning and planning strategies that can be put in place um, much earlier before you sell that can have a huge impact. So for example, uh, we worked earlier this year, like a lot of clients with, um, it was a construction services type company up in the Midwest. It was owned for, you know, in the family for 50 years. Father started it. Son, who's roughly 45, is running it along with his wife. But that's not really what they wanted to do for the next 20 years. Uh, and the business had been really, really successful. But nobody had ever done kind of the financial planning, the second leg of that stool, to say, okay, once you get the money, 
how much you're going to have to give up to taxes and how beneficial is this money going to be for the rest of your life, your children's lives, whatever's important to you. So to make a little bit of a long story short, the, um, we were able to do some financial planning before the sale. And what they did is they were actually able to sell uh, 70% this year. Uh, because he was still young, wanted to remain active in the business for another three to five years. And the buyer had a really good plan to put some additional capital in and some things that they could do together. And he wanted to be part of that. So he kept 30%. Um, so a couple things that we're able to impact uh, besides just the financial, personal financial planning strategies we did is they got a little bit um, higher price because they agreed in that sale to a short earnout, so kind of structure that we talked about. That also delayed some of the tax impact because they weren't receiving all the money in that year. They also decided to retain some equity in the business. And we were able to, through planning and deciding what they wanted to do, move some of that equity into a tax advantaged vehicle and minimize the tax impact on that. And so in his particular situation, uh, his wife had some philanthropic wishes that were important to her. So we explored a, a charitable remainder trust just in, as an example that worked for them. And so they could take a tax deduction right away when they donated the shares. She could continue or they could continue to take income from that money as it was in the trust. And then later the remainder gets donated to charity. And so that was important and important before they even sold that portion because that portion, they were expecting that to probably go three, four times what it was over the next five years based on the plans that they were gonna do. And so if they can avoid that big gain on that money by doing something like that, by putting it in a trust or some tax advantaged vehicle that yeah. also accomplishes what else was important to them, made a big difference to them and will have a big impact on the overall taxes they pay, but more importantly on the value the personal value, the dollar value that they get from this business that's been in their family for 50 years. And so that's uh, a little of, you know, there's lots of examples. And the, the interesting thing is there, and I think most people don't realize this. Yeah. And I think most owners, when you work with, let's say a business broker, investment bank, whatever it is, they're similar to a real estate agent nothing wrong with them, but they're focused on the transaction, right? Our mm -hmm. phase two, going to market. I'll help you list it, I'll help you sell it, and then I'll see you later. And probably because partially of, of my background is, there's a lot of that planning stuff that can make a huge difference that I don't think people are aware of. And so we like, and they have to be put in place, you know, before, you know, three months before you sell. And so we focus a lot on that phase one. And again, our website talks a lot about the details. Uh, but they make a huge impact. And then the third leg of the stool being uh, personal. And there was a, uh, I'm a certified exit planning advisor, SEPA, and that's designation is from the Exit Planning Institute. And they did a survey <laughs> that said, what is the number one regret business owners have? And it was actually that the largest response was that they had no personal plan after business. Yeah. And if you think about a business owner, this person, he or she has been the person, right? Mm -hmm. I am the CEO of this company. I started this product. We employ 500 people. We do X. I'm CEO. I do X, Y, Z. And that's kind of the image that you hold 
after, you know, during your whole business career amongst people that, you know, the country club or wherever it is that you go. And after that, there's some mental, emotional preparation of like, well, wait, am I not that person anymore? Like, what is, there's a little bit of that that I've got feedback from owners on. And then there's also just the time, right? And uh, we've dealt with a number, you know, a number of, there happened to be a couple of men that I'm thinking of, but they said, look, I, I, I thought I was going to play golf all the time. Yeah. I play golf five days a week and that's still only five hours a day. There's a hundred and some other hours. Like I can't yeah. play any more golf. And I've done all these home improvement projects. Like, I don't know what else to do. Right. And so there's both the, the mental emotional image side of personal. And there's also the time part of personal and what we try to talk to, we bring in some other experts and, and specialists is, you know, the ultimate freedom um, that you and others talk about is like, now you have the money or the resources from your successful business to be able to go and do whatever passions, whatever interests you that kind of give you true purpose or things that you just find really interesting. Um, so some people, you know, have, you know, some of our past clients have found a lot of passion and stuff for the charity stuff that they get involved with or different family things that they're now able to take on. Um, and I think that just makes a huge difference in the actual satisfaction that the owners get. Something else that we have is through some other ventures that we've done in the past, we have a, another entity, our company, that makes small co-investments into other businesses. And we found that these owners who sell their business, sure, some of the money and maybe this core serious money can go into the stock market and bonds and that stuff. Um, there's a level of certainty there over some other options. And that's great. But they connect with small businesses. They've yeah. gone through that. They have the war stories. They know how to add value, how to help there. So they can co-invest in some of these other deals. And we've had owners kind of go and sit on advisory boards or be just an outside advisor consultant to some of these companies. And for them, that's like, a, hey, I'm passionate about that. I can take some of my proceeds, put it into something like that. And I'm actually part of helping them get above and beyond where they would have been. So that personal part being the third leg of the stool is important for overall happiness uh, and satisfaction, kind of finding purpose and dealing with the mental emotional um, that I think really helps the satisfaction. And, and boy, I mean, there are so many options that I think so many business owners aren't even aware of, right? Mm -hmm. They get this idea in their head, I'm gonna play golf, but, um, but they don't even, once again, it's one of those, you don't know what you don't know. So it's worth ahead of time having those conversations and exploring what's possible you know, what's out there so that you develop that plan prior to selling. So at least, you know, what direction you're heading in. It really is. And it's, you know, the question is that a lot of we're having discussions, when is the right time to start? And I've heard two to three years. Yes, that's great. That's a good time. But the right time is now, right? And how do you start? We've yeah. talked about, you know, your legacy part yourlegacypartners.com backslash score has our business scorecard. But we also have the, the personal scorecards, the financial scorecards. Like take the time now to understand where you're at, both business, personal, financial. And secondly, maybe even first, start thinking about over time, what is important to you? 
and that applies to a lot of things. What's important is all, you know, is keeping the name of your business important to you when you sell? Is the retention of your staff important when you sell? Once you have the money, is funding next generation's college, is that's what important? Is you being able to work part-time in five years really important to you? There's so many different things that are important to these people that can be put in place if you start to integrate your exit plan with your overall business strategy earlier on in the process. Oh. And one of my clients, music person said, it's kind of like playing the piano with two hands, right? If you're just running your business and that's all you're focused on, maybe that's the one hand and you enhance the value within your business and that's great. But adding that second hand, you can make some great music. Meaning like you can incorporate all these other aspects and make sure that not only do you get the highest price, but you eliminate some risks to get good structure, that you actually keep a lot of it after taxes. And then you're actually using strategies and financial planning to realize true value to yourself uh, upon sale and after. Oh, I know. This is so incredible. I mean, incredibly valuable. As you're talking, I just keep thinking about people who so much of this they don't know they don't explore it to find out and then they make the decision okay i'm ready to sell and and find out all of these ways that they are not ready mm -hmm. right and aren't going to get you know maybe they have an inflated idea of what their business is worth you know there's just so many unnecessary um aspects to not learning all of this ahead of time and and setting these wheels in motion yeah. And I think some of the biggest <laughs> shock is when people come and they they, hey, I heard this multiple and I heard this and I have a great business. We've been growing really strong, 10, 20, whatever percent it is a year. And we have these margins and this kind of thing. And great. You know, and we realize like if you go to market, like you might not get half Ugh. of what you think that multiple is. Wow. How could that be? Well, it's because of how the business is set up and structured. Mm -hmm. It's not able, those certainty of cash flows, it's not yeah. there. So we some of them might be somewhat quick to put something in place to, to fix and to patch those. Um, but it's even within just the business portion, there's so much that can be done uh, if we're doing some planning to say, okay, great. Now we have these things in place. That makes a whole world of a difference. If it's not just in total purchase price, it's in structure. Yeah. Yep, makes perfect sense to me. Yep. Wow, Nick, this is so incredibly great. I, I, seriously, I love this information. Will you share with the listeners how they can find you and repeat the website? Uh, I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Yeah, our website is yourlegacypartners.com. Um, the couple, there's the attra business attractiveness scorecard at yourlegacypartners.com backslash score. We have a couple others. I'm happy to anybody that references this podcast to have a free complimentary call with them uh, if they go and fill that out to discuss it. Um, but that's, you know, on the website, it talks about our three phases, both pre-sale planning, phase two, going to market, phase three, post-sale kind of implementation, just ongoing monitoring. And it also discusses uh, phase one, those three legs of the stool, business, financial, personal, and it's really getting those things aligned that, you know, we talk about maximizing the value of your business. I mean, 
ultimately you want to maximize the value that you receive and the value that you and your family or whatever you want to benefit from that, the value that they get ongoing besides just the highest price, which is certainly part of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That This is really incredibly valuable. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you so much for being here with me and listeners. Thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.